Although it wasn't always pretty, South Carolina did what they should have done and took care of business against the Vanderbilt Commodores on Saturday. How did they do it on both sides of the ball? We'll talk about it on this reaction edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. You are Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to Locked On Gamecocks podcast. I am your host, Andrew Mind, and I am also a staff writer for Gamecocks Digest over on SI.com. Thank y'all so much for making the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your first listen or watch for your team here today. We are free and available both on YouTube and wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. Today's show is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off your first purchase. Happy Sunday, everybody. I hope that you are all doing quite well, and I'm sure that you're doing well already because of the fact that South Carolina really for the only time this year, maybe outside of the Furman game, they went out there and they pretty much dismantled their opponent from start to finish. So on today's show, we're going to discuss just how they did that on both sides of the ball. And let's start off with the offense, because we've talked about this several times now on this show throughout the 2023 season. South Carolina is an offense that is built on explosive plays. If South Carolina has them going for them, then they're going to have a pretty solid outing. If they don't, then it shows in the numbers that they're going to stall a pretty good bit. And that was the case on Saturday against the Vanderbilt Commodores. South Carolina, if I can actually zoom in real quick and see... They had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. They had nine explosive plays against the Vanderbilt Commodores. And the way that Shane Beamer and his staff term explosive plays are runs of 12 yards or more or passes of 18 yards or more. South Carolina scored on four explosive plays and two more explosive plays set South Carolina up at Vanderbilt's one yard line they also had a blocked punt that they returned back for a touchdown that I guess you could also technically throw in there if you wanted to because that was a 14 or 18 yard blocked punt return for a touchdown now this offense although they did manage to put up 35 plus points by themselves against this Vanderbilt Commodores football team on Saturday there's still a couple of concerns that I do have about this unit heading into this pivotal two-week stretch against the Kentucky Wildcats and the Clemson Tigers, where the margin for error is obviously going to be a lot smaller. Here's the first concern I have. The run game continues to struggle getting going in these football games. We saw it happen against Jacksonville State, and that took place once again against the Vanderbilt Commodores yesterday afternoon if you take out Mario Anderson's Superman like 72 yard touchdown run and Lenora Sellers garbage time 36 yard touchdown run off of that read option or at least maybe a manual read option that he decided to run South Carolina had 28 net rushing yards and I told y'all this past week Vanderbilt's defense was one of the worst if not the worst that they were going to play on their schedule this entire football season and so that obviously leads me to ask the question if you cannot run the football effectively against Jacksonville State and Vanderbilt then what exactly do you expect to do against Kentucky and Clemson 
And I understand it. The offensive line has had several injuries, a lot of guys rotating in and out. That clearly does not help when it comes to continuity and when it comes to communication. And also now you have two running backs that are currently out for the count right now. Karen Jordan with an ankle injury that kept him out of this game against Vanderbilt. And Juju McDowell broke his collarbone against the Commodores yesterday afternoon. So I understand that there are a couple of different factors that are playing a role in this. But again, Kentucky and Clemson, they're both going to bring much tougher defenses than Vanderbilt presented you on Saturday. So one way or another, Dow Loggins and this offensive coaching staff, they've got to figure out a way to get more out of this ground game. And I'm going to discuss one way how they could do that on our Monday show. I promise you, you're not going to want to miss that. Now, the other concern that I had about this game for the offense is the fact that for the second straight week in a row, besides the lackluster ground game, South Carolina also had another opportunity to slam the door shut early on an opponent that clearly was inferior to them, that was not going to be able to pull off the victory unless South Carolina made a bunch of mistakes along the way. They had an opportunity to do that this past week against Jacksonville State. I believe they scored a touchdown on their opening drive, and the defense held the other Gamecocks to three straight three and outs to start the football game. But South Carolina's offense just kind of stalled for a little while, and that allowed Jacksonville State to keep themselves in the game early on. Same kind of deal happened against Vanderbilt. South Carolina goes up 13-0, only 13-0 because of another botched PAT, which is also a concern on special teams. But in the second quarter, South Carolina's offense just could not do anything against Vanderbilt. And the numbers, when you look at them, it shows why they couldn't get anything going. Because one, South Carolina had negative four rushing yards. They did it in a 15-minute stretch of this football game with positive rushing yards. And then I talked about explosive plays earlier. South Carolina's offense did not have a single explosive play in that second quarter. They outgained the Vanderbilt Commodores offense by one yard. You can't have that. You can get away with that against a team like Vanderbilt because obviously uh, Vanderbilt is a very bad football team and they are probably the worst football team by far in this conference. But I don't think you can get away with that against Kentucky. I don't think you can even get away with that against Clemson who seems like they are hitting their stride over the past couple of weeks. So I'm not here to try to nitpick. I know it sounds like I am doing that but my point with bringing up all of that is that this offense as good as they played on Saturday there's still an issue of they are either clicking on all cylinders or they are not going anywhere and they cannot have that trend continue for the next couple of weeks if they want to try and make it to a bowl game by reaching that six win mark now Although I bring up those concerns on offense, there's certainly a lot of optimism to be had with this defense with the way that they performed against the Vanderbilt Commodores on Saturday. What was it that Clay Wine, this defensive coaching staff, did that seemed to really help out this defense? And what was the difference between their performance last week against Jacksonville State and this week against the Vanderbilt Commodores? We'll touch on all of that in just a couple moments right here on Locked on Gamecocks. 
Today's show is brought to you by Game Time. Now, South Carolina, again, they've got a big-time matchup coming up this Saturday night against the Kentucky Wildcats. And Joshua Simon, by the way, he issued a challenge to South Carolina's fan base during his press conference with the media after the Gamecocks went over Vanderbilt, saying that he wants y'all to pack the stadium and be loud. It's going to be a night game, Darude. The original creator of Sandstorm is going to be in attendance for this matchup. So a lot of big time storylines coming into this game. And if you're worried about possibly, you know, missing out and getting a ticket to this game, maybe you want to take some time to think over it. Don't worry. Game time is going to have you covered. All you got to do is download the game time app, create an account, and then use code locked on college for $20 off your first purchase. Terms do apply. Again, create an account and redeem code Locked On College for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. All right, welcome back to this Sunday reaction edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast where we cover your team every single day. And as always, I really appreciate each and every one of you everydayers who make the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your daily choice, whether you're watching us on YouTube or you're listening to us wherever you get your audio podcast daily. Now let's talk about South Carolina's defensive performance against the Vanderbilt Commodores. And it was a great sign. It was a great game for this side of the football as they gave up the least amount of points that they've given up to an opponent all season long. Up until week 11 against Vanderbilt, South Carolina had allowed 20 plus points per game to every single opponent that they had faced to that point, including the Furman Paladins all the way back in week two at the start of this season. But on Saturday Yes, they probably got a little bit of help from Mother Nature and all the rain that came down in Columbia, but this Gamecock defense played collectively just a really sound football game. So what exactly were the changes that this staff implemented to help out this unit? Well, the one thing I noticed is that we've been talking about this 3-3-5 defensive front for the past several weeks. It started against Texas A&M, where South Carolina started employing more three-down lineman formations, where Maybe they had Alex Boogie Huntley or Nick Barrett on the interior at that nose tackle spot. And then they would bump out TJ Sanders and talk a Hemingway to the outside tackles or the offensive tackles. And they would have a guy like Jerron Willis or Bam Martin Scott out there sort of acting as a third linebacker. Maybe they would bring down Nick Emmonworry. And it seems like that, although, yes, it was against Vanderbilt, and Vanderbilt's not a good football team. I can't stress that enough. They may have found something with this defensive formation. This past Saturday, this defense, they got after Ken Seals a good amount. I know that the sack tolls will not show it, but they got a lot of pressure. They hurried him into a lot of quicker decisions. I really like the fact that we saw Clayton White and his coaching staff call a lot more exotic blitzes. They called some blitzes and stunts mixed together. They did a lot of creative things that, quite frankly, has been missing when it's come to defensive play calling all season long. And again, I can understand Gamecock fans are probably frustrate thinking, well, why did it take this long for them to finally start figuring out that maybe they should do some of this stuff in order to help their players out? I get that. But this could be coming at the right time for South Carolina's defense. So I like the fact that they switched out a lot of personnel. They played a lot of different guys based on the situation at hand. So say on first down, a potential running down. They had Tyreek Johnson out there, along with Nick Barrett and TJ Sanders. And then 
on third down, they would have a guy like maybe Brian Thomas Jr. on one side, Jordan Strawn on the other side, and then Alex Boogie Huntley playing nose tackle. Got a little bit more athleticism out there. Along with Bam Martin, Scott, and Jerron Willis. Two guys that, again, are plus athletes at the linebacker position and can provide you something as long as you utilize them the right way. And the 3-3-5 formation, in my opinion, it's also helping out some of the guys that have been playing. And it's making them feel more comfortable. Nick McGuire had himself a heck of a ball game yesterday. I don't have his stat line in front of me, but if I was giving out game balls for certain guys on defense, he would get one of them. He was extremely active, as was the entire defense, which I'll get into in just a moment. And Stone Blanton, I thought Stone Blanton, he looks so much more comfortable in this 3-3-5 when he is not having to go from basically being lined up over the inside half of a guard or maybe over the center to having to run all the way to the sideline to go and make a play. This 3-3-5 allows him to, a good amount of the time, actually line up kind of outside of the box. He's still right there, but he's lined up a little bit outside the offensive tackle or tight end. And he just looks so much more at home playing in that formation versus being a 4-2-5 backer, which, let's be honest, does not completely play to Stone Blanton's strengths. So I'm glad to see that. I don't know what changes have been made behind closed doors in terms of maybe, I don't know, certain guys are maybe having a bigger voice in terms of the game plan. But whatever it is, I think that it is at least helping this defense out and helping them progress again at just the right time when the Gamecocks really need them the most. The thing that impressed me the most about this defense on Saturday afternoon was how active they were in pass defense. And when I say this entire defense, I mean everyone. The defensive line, the linebackers, the secondary, I thought everybody played an active role in getting their hands on the football. South Carolina had like eight pass deflections, which I quite frankly still think that StatCast is wrong on that. It felt like to me they had at least 12 to 14 pass deflections. And also, I cannot tell y'all the amount of times that I sat there and said, wow, South Carolina nearly got a pick there. Gee whiz, that was almost an interception over here. It felt like I said that six, seven times. And what does that tell you? Well, one, it tells you the positioning of the guys on the football field on Saturday was really solid. And two, it also speaks to the effort that they had. And Shane Beamer admitted to the media after yesterday's game against Vanderbilt that he felt like the effort was not always there against Jacksonville State two Saturdays ago and so it seems like that he and the staff challenged this defense and said listen you know good and well that you're better than this team go out there and show it and that's exactly what they did against the Commodores yesterday afternoon so props to this defense again I know that you can maybe also nitpick their performance a little bit second half rush defense wasn't quite as good they allowed Vanderbilt to grind out a couple of drives and obviously with Kentucky bringing in a running back in Ray Davis who is definitely much better than anything Vanderbilt's got right now this coming Saturday that's not something that you exactly want to see as a game wears on. But still, progress is progress. At least you're seeing it with this Gamecock defense. So what should our overall takeaways be from this football game? And maybe what were a couple of other things that stood out, including something interesting about Beamer's choice when it came to who the second quarterback was that trotted out on the football field. I'm going to give you all my final thoughts on Saturday's game in just a couple moments right here, once again, on Locked on Gamecocks.
Today's show is also brought to you by Jace Medical. Now, we spend a lot of time talking together, you and I. We get fired up together on wins and losses, who starts and who sits. And I'm thankful for the connections that we all have together. And today, I want our chat to be a little more personal because I just learned that you can get a one-year supply on ED medications. You know what that means? Bring on the extended travel, bring on the next natural disaster or supply chain issues. Even though we don't want them, you know, one's bound to happen at some point in time in the future. And when that does happen, you, my friend, are going to be covered. You don't have to worry about whether or not you can refill your generics for Cialis or Viagra. And this is all possible because of our friends at Jace Medical. Go online right now at jacemedical.com to receive your 12-month supply on your daily medication. Remember to use promo code LOCKEDON at checkout for a discount as well. Here's what a verified customer had to say about Jace Medical. Quote, I'm thankful for their service. Supply chain issues cost me to cut pills in half to have it. I ordered most of my daily meds with a year's supply. I also ordered antibiotic kits. I feel secure now. Prices are lower than local pharmacies, and I highly recommend this for everyone. If you or someone you love would like to get some peace of mind by having a year's supply of any daily medication, go to jacemedical.com to see if it's offered for you. Remember to use promo code LOCKEDON for $20 off your purchase. All right, thank y'all once again for tuning in to today's edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day in just 30 minutes. Okay, I want to address the elephant in the room regarding what all took place with South Carolina's offense at the end of yesterday's game. And no, I'm not talking about a specific sequence of events. I'm not talking about a specific play. I'm simply talking about personnel choices. Lenore Sellers was the second quarterback that came out into the football game on Saturday. And in my opinion, that tells the, the, the entire fan base, it tells all of us beat writers and reporters, it tells everybody this. Lenore Sellers is the backup quarterback here for South Carolina now and moving forward. When the Furman game came up, I do believe that Lenore Sellers was also the second quarterback to take snaps in that game as well. And Luke Doty came in and got some snaps after him. But the thing is, when it came to that game, that was against the Furman Paladins. And that was a game where Shane Beamer and this staff, they wanted to get a ton of freshmen out there because they knew, looking at this entire schedule, that it was likely the only opportunity that they were going to have to see certain freshmen go out there and play on the football field. And so they did not want to be around the bush in terms of getting them snaps. That's why when he got snaps in that game, I did not make a massive deal out of it. Although it was pretty cool to see him throw that like 50 plus yard bomb to Tyshawn Russell for a touchdown at the very end of that contest. But this one's a bit different because South Carolina, they are getting ready to play their two biggest games on the entire schedule all season long. Kentucky and Clemson, they get them both at home. They are fighting for their bowl eligibility lives right now. And so, the reason why I think you didn't see a lot of backups take the field until about eight minutes left in the game on Saturday is because Shane Beamer understands that at this point, it's not about just trying to get guys out there just to get him out there. It is about playing guys that, at this point in the season, you believe can help you win these football games at the end of this regular season. So you're not going to... I hate to say it, you're not going to throw a bunch of walk-ons out there for multiple series. You'll give them a couple snaps on special teams. You'll give them a couple snaps maybe on defense or offense. 
But for the most part, you're playing guys that are going to possibly play if and when they are needed over the next two weeks. That is why it is so notable to me that he put Lenore Sellers out there after Spencer Rattler left. If Luke Doty was your backup quarterback at this point in the season, in my opinion, Shane Beamer would not have put Lenore Sellers out there. He would have put the guy back there that is the second man up behind Spencer Rattler if, gosh forbid, worst case scenario plays out and Spencer Rattler goes down with an injury. But yet he put Lenore Sellers out there. That literally should tell all of you that Lenore Sellers is the man. When Spencer Rattler eventually hangs up that South Carolina helmet one last time and he gets ready to train for the NFL draft, he moves on to the next stage of his football career. Lenore Sellers is going to be the man here in Columbia. And I know that a lot of people said that after the Furman game, but you still got to see the coaches had that same kind of belief in their players. And it's clear based on their personnel choices on Saturday that Lenore Sellers is their guy moving forward once Spencer Rattler elects to move on to the NFL. So that stood out to me in a really big way. A couple of the guys that also got some interesting snaps. Uh, John Darius Morgan, he got some snaps at tight end. I thought that he did a decent job being like an extra blocker. They played him because... As Shane Greenberg told me after the game in his postgame presser, they did not want to put Trey Knox in a compromising position or situation because of the field conditions. Been battling a hamstring issue for the last couple weeks. Plus, Joshua Simon's been playing really well. And he's another guy that I should mention before we get off for today's show. Simon has been fantastic for this office for the last couple weeks. In my opinion, I think he has proven he is just as good, if not better and more well-rounded than Trey Knox is. I truly believe that. Joshua Simon, he moves faster for his size, in my opinion, and he can he can break tackles. He can get past defenders that try to meet up to meet up with him in the open field. He does not juke guys. He does not try to pull a spin move. The way he put it when he was talking to the media after the game is he simply tries to just run over people, and he runs that way. He runs with violence. He runs with a veracity that not many guys in this roster run with. That's not to poke. That's not to you know poke holes in front of in any of the other guys' games, but that's the way Joshua Simon plays, and you see that every single snap that he takes. He's also a decent run blocker as well. Whether Trey Knox is good to go for the next couple weeks against Kentucky and Clemson or not, Joshua Simon needs to get more snaps, especially because no matter what after this season ends, Trey Knox will be leaving, and Joshua Simon's the one that's got a chance to come back for next year. So you might as well start getting that man ready to be your starter because I don't see why Simon would leave. This is his home state. And again, he hasn't maybe gotten the best of opportunities to show what he can do in the 2023 season. So Joshua Simon, kudos to him. Big time performance on his part. I thought it was great to see Omega Blake score a touchdown late in the game against Vanderbilt. Omega Blake is a guy that from what they've said, he has to build his confidence up more. He's had some moments this year, but the issue is right now, he's kind of what Xavier Leggett was the last couple years. He's had moments, but he's having trouble putting it together consistently. Omega Blake scoring against an SEC opponent this past Saturday, that can only do wonders for his confidence. Same thing with Amarian Brown. He also scored a touchdown. It was a really nice play on his part, using some, using some hesitation, excuse me, and then juking back towards the middle of the field to get himself past the defender in open space for a touchdown. 
It was good to see a lot of different guys get involved offensively is my overall point. Defensively, you cannot you cannot put any sort of value, any sort of number on just how much confidence that they've got to have last couple weeks. They get some turnovers to seal the deal against Jacksonville State in a game that, yes, it wasn't their best performance, but they made enough plays at the end to get the win. And then you go out there and hold Vanderbilt to six points on Saturday. And quite frankly, the only reason that they got six points was because you had a guy get beat pretty badly on the outside on one particular play. But you played your best game of the season. And again, it's coming at the right time. That is what you need to see from this football team in this kind of game before you play the two most important games you're going to play all year. So, big win for South Carolina. They took care of business. They did what they needed to do against a team that, again, historically and seemingly for the foreseeable future, will always be below them and should be below them if you're South Carolina and you care about having a certain stature and standing in this sport and in this conference. Now, the road gets tough once again. You play the Kentucky Wildcats and Clemson Tigers over the next two weeks. And as we get into it throughout this week and next week, uh, those matchups are not going to be easy. They are going to be dogfights. South Carolina is going to do a lot of things right. And as I said earlier, they're going to have to correct a couple things if they want to win. You cannot bank on this team just winning just because they got home field advantage. I understand Kentucky, they might be, be, they might be a bit beat up after taking a shellacking from Alabama. But Kentucky still got a good football team. They still got really good players at certain spots that could present problems for South Carolina. And Clemson, I know you don't want to say it. I'll say it for y'all. They are playing their best ball right now. Defeated Notre Dame two weekends ago and now knocking off Georgia Tech and not just knocking them off, but blowing them out as well at home on Saturday. Georgia Tech team that last year gave them some trouble early on. This year, There wasn't really much trouble to be had after the first quarter against the Yellow Jackets. So, a lot of things to talk about, and we're going to touch on all of that as we go throughout the next two weeks right here on Locked on Gamecocks podcast. Thank you so much for watching and tuning in. Leave me your thoughts about yesterday's game down below in the comments section if you watch this on YouTube, or shoot a direct message on Twitter at A-Line underscore SC if you listen to today's show on an audio podcast app. Once again, thank y'all so much for tuning in. Have a great rest of your Sunday, a great rest of your weekend, and real quickly before I go, thank you to each and every one of you veterans for your service to our country. Thank you for protecting all the rights that we all are thankful to have every single day because of each and every one of you. Cannot ever profess my thanks enough and my gratitude for all of you who have served in our military, and I'm sure everyone that is watching or listening to today's show. So again, thank you, thank you, thank you for everything that you've done for this great country. I'll be sure to catch y'all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast.